Good morning, each and every one of you. I'm going to say something that I usually don't say, but those of us that's present, sometimes we're just reminding you of what God has said. Some of you that may be listening later, whether it be next month or two years from now or whenever, maybe there'll be something new that'll stir your heart and want you to turn to the Lord. Many times I use a scripture reading in the beginning, but I'm just going to call it a key scripture this morning as in parting partly as the introduction to what I want to talk about. Those taking notes, you can read and study it over later. But taken from the Luke, the book of Luke, verses 21 through 25 through 36. And it talks about a time In verse 25, it tells us that the, there would be suns and the signs in the sun, the moon and the stars. It tells us that there would be a distress among nations and perplexities. It talks about the sea and the waves roaring. Verse 26 talks about men's hearts failing them for the fear, seeing the things that are coming, those things that God has given us glimpses of several prophecies of what is going to be in the end. It talks about the powers of heaven should be shaken. We may not fully understand exactly what is occurring, but we know it's a time of troubles. And then I want to notice in Luke the, the 34th verse and through 36 of chapter 21, Chapter 21, 34 through 36. And take heed unto yourselves, lest at any times your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that the day come upon you unaware. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. This definitely gives us a glimpse not only of things that will happen in the future 
and perhaps not the far, far distant future even, people are fearful and failing them. And it gives us a little bit of better understanding of what we've been going through. It's unreal how much falsehoods people has been believing relative to the current pandemic. But anyway, I want to notice verse 34 carefully. Take heed to yourselves. Lest that we be overcharged with surfeiting drunkenness and cares of life, and that the day come upon us unawares. We've been given warning after warning. We're told to flee all unrighteousness. We're not to be involved in overly concerned with the cares of this life. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18 it says, Not so much maybe to us, but those around us and the general population. The flea fortification. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Beloved, flee from adultery, idolatry rather. And in this day and age, we can have all kinds of idols. There's people that I'm sure that almost makes idols out of the, maybe their vehicle or out of their electronics or whatever. There's so many things. Can you imagine if you could step back in time what kind of possessions people might have had that they would idolize in their daily living. So we're living in a time that's more prone than ever. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22, it tells us to flee youthful lust, but follow. Follow the Lord. Follow the Word. Follow Him in all things. Follow in the Scripture actually says faith. And we see a lack of it today in many cases. Charity, that's love. And certainly we see it in society and peace and so on. In 
approaching the subject I'm going to be talking about a little bit of the world conditions and some of the problems of this world to get you to realize that later on the seriousness that scripture indicates that people will become so engrossed in the activities of this world and the activities and the cares of life and everything else involved that they become so far and so ungodly that there's no point of return. That God will totally give them up. We could number, and I sat down and was brainstorming, and I come up listed just bing, 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 like 13 or 14 conditions, and that's not all of them. But it's, we know that Scripture says, talking about that the age is being in turmoil. We have it. Confusion. And we certainly have confusion in this world. We look around us and we see unrest. We see the perplexities as the scripture that I alluded to indicates that there would be. We see all kinds of difficulties and dishonesty and false information. Violence, rioting, murder, race, wars and divisions, lawlessness, lawlessness, and certainly greed and deception. And after all, I suppose that if we were to stop and to study and to think, that we could multiply that list probably ten times over. Because Seemingly, from what we read and what we study, from ages past and, and years past, even maybe before our lifetimes, we, in spite of all the conveniences we have today, they don't have that many things to lead them away. I can remember, and I'm back in the, I suppose maybe it was the late 40s, that I remember that I know that my father and his father and his father before that and I don't know how much further back was always a Sabbath observant. But I remember, and I don't know how the decisions was made because I was just a little boy. 
But every once in a while and every so often, there was very few radios and no television whatsoever. So all the neighbors would get together, and I can remember the gospel singing and so on. And that was their way of entertainment. We've gotten away from that. Completely. I want to share with you that something that may surprise you in today's conditions. Comparing them, in some sense of the word, to Rome. We know that Rome fall, fell. The, history, uh, the historian Gibbons gave five reasons for the fall of Rome. And that was stated back when there was somewhat more decency in the publications, and it occurred in, I think it was the Sunday edition, of an article in the St. Joseph News and Gazette way back in 1979. I was scanning through my files and I had a little file called Sermon Tidbits that I used to, if I saw something that I thought was of interest, I'd throw it into that file and some point and sometime it was appropriate. But anyway, he listed the five reasons for the fall of Rome. And I want you to think about it in consideration to our current society. The number one reason in this article, at least stated by Gibson that they scanned out, was the rapid increase of divorce. undermining the dignity and sanctity of the home. That was number one. Number two was higher and higher taxes. And along with that was money for free bread, public welfare. Number three was the Mad craze for pleasure. The number four listing was giving building of gigantic armaments while the real enemy was within. And just injecting here and thinking. Some of you may not remember hearing it on the news or seeing it. I think it was, I can remember Walter Cronkite, CBS News, way back yonder, where Gorbachev tapped his shoe on the podium and said he would bury us and never have to come within with armaments and armies. Anyway, number five, the decay of religion. 
faith fading into mere forms of religious austerity. Losing touch with life and becoming unimportant to guide the people. It's heartbreaking just to realize how history is and has been repeating mistakes of prior history throughout our nation and society today, and really throughout the rest of the world. It's further disheartening to the believers that with all the pure wickedness, absolute disobedience, rejection, and intentional denial of God and His Scripture as a guideline for our current living. Actually, it's not a guideline. It is an instructed way. But it's disheartening to realize how far we've come. The pursuit of truth seemingly is non-existent in the general population of the world. Happiness and a, ha uh, and a wholesome lifestyle is very difficult in a perverse and wicked world in which we live. It's not too difficult to see why people get into such a condition of heart and mind that they can no longer obtain virtuous goals for life. Worse yet, no longer able to cope in an evil and godless world. We must be spiritually conditioning our lives for today, tomorrow, and the years to come. It's not just what's going to happen today or tomorrow, but perhaps in the year's future. And the things that we study, the things that we put in our mind will come to pass and come to remembrance if we're living a godly life in years to come. It's a frightening thought, a statistic, but they say that you put, and this used to be in the computing and programming world in which I took an interest in in early parts of my life and a few courses here and there and everywhere. But they used to say in data, garbage in, garbage out. And it's the same thing with your mind. Sooner or later it comes out. Just to throw you a bone of illustration, 
I have a brother-in-law, and his mother was, and father for that matter, but mother in particular, was mild, very sweet-talking, never said a bad word in all the years that I was able to have Thanksgivings with her and so on. She got Alzheimer's. She would, got so bad, after living a supposedly a good Christian life and very mild-mannered and not a misspoken word that I heard in years, you couldn't stand to be in her room. She would embarrass a sailor in what was being said because somewhere during life, through the things that they read in television and so on, it was manifesting itself when her right mind was totally gone. I would plead that everyone within hearing or that might possibly even hear on the internet productions later on and so forth, that you would consider don't take lightly in this sinful and evil generation you're standing with the Lord. Don't consider serious, serious consider seriously lest you be drawn away because it indicates that they would be. Even we're reminded that it, Christ was quoted as saying, will he find faith on earth when he come? So we know that it's getting worse and worse. Clearly, we are all subject to being drawn away spiritually. And Scripture indicates to a point where it's impossible to return because God has totally given them up because of their wickedness and their corruption. Man will not always be able to have the blessings of the Lord. In fact is, God will not always strive with man according to Scripture. We're given warnings after warnings to be awake, to be vigilant. Not to be deceived. In Matthew 24 and verse 24, it tells us that false prophets, great signs and wonders would be 
And if possible, they should deceive the very elect. And that includes each and every one that's in a right standing with God. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, it says to examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. And not, it ends with not being a retrobate. Examine to, lest you be a reprobate. We read in Luke, the 21st chapter, in verse 34 through 36, to take heed, to watch. Clearly warnings of things future for individuals to watch for. So after we analyze scriptures, I believe that you will see from scripture itself that it supports the fact that it's fully possible for a devout Christ-serving individual to depart and become so wicked and perverse that they're beyond the return to the Lord. Individuals become corrupt that God's totally given them up and nevermore to strive with them to return to righteousness. I could share and spend a lot of time, but I want to just allude to a lot of scriptures from the book of Romans. It talks about vile afflictions, uncleanness, reprobates, and totally wicked individuals. And let us not think that it's impossible for us to find ourselves in those conditions. In Romans, the first chapter in verse 21 through 32, and certainly we're not going to read all of those, but study them carefully. And we start with 21, and it says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but become vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to become wise. They become fools. They change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like into corruptible man. And to birds. And four-footed beasts. And creeping things.
Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. In verse 28, it says that God gave them up unto vile affections. And there's a progression there. First is some wickedness, and then they get viler and viler and wickeder and wickeder as you go through this particular verses. In verse 28, it says it's progressed that they give them a reprobate mind. A mind that seemingly is incapable of thinking what God wants us to have in the heart and our minds to serve Him. Why? Why would man continually go through this and become worse and worse and worse and yet worse. In Romans 1.22 it says professing themselves to be wise. They become fools. And we can see how foolish so many people are. We don't have to look far into the world to analyze individuals and how conceited they've become. In Romans 1 and 25, it talks who changed the truth of God into a lie. Surely that's not happening today, right? Well, I'm hoping that you don't think that because it's happening in pulpits and church organizations worldwide. Today, if we look, we will see every kind of wickedness imaginable to man in this wicked and perverse society. And we see that there's causing a major breakdown in three, at least three Area, two, at least two or areas that I'm going to touch on. There's many others, but just two to give you an example this morning. Family life. You can read stories after stories and, and you'll see families and it'll be her kids, his kids, and, and perhaps stepkids involved in 
maybe on both sides. So family life is totally broken apart. The religious life, as far as morality and unfaithfulness to God, is increased greater and greater in our society. The shocking thing that comes to mind, and I'd done a little bit of web research, not as long as I would like to, but here's a statistic that would shock you. 69% of Americans say cohabitation is acceptable. 69%. And a lot of those are within so-called Christian churches. Another shocking statistic that I was able to find regarding unmarried couples living together. Statistically, they say, and, and I assume they said the last 20 years that ended in October the 8th, 2021, So that would make it in October of 2001, there were six million people living together outside of matrimony. 20 years later, 17 million just in the United States. It blows my mind. Churches. And I'm beginning to see elements in a few articles and such on the web that are criticizing, you might say, churches and ministries for not preaching straight out and telling them what is right and what is wrong. But churches are failing to teach and preach scriptural standards. There's even churches organizations, and I'm not naming anybody, that even that goes as far now that they're doing organization of gays, gay ministers. Ministers that are having... Uh, moral issues and some of the big time and I'll not name them ministers that seemingly had a rather large following on the television fell into moral issues that destroyed their ministry We see individuals, and particularly in churches, and individuals clinging unto false traditions and practices that has no place in God's true church. And this is just a mere sampling of what we could look at. 
And fact is, I cut out a bunch of things that I had in mind that I just said, no, nope, we don't need to hear it. Because we know. And you know if you're faithfully listening to the true reports. And the true reports are not found on the traditional channels that we're used because we're being told one thing that is not actually true. But I ask you, how much further can we go as a nation? We see all kinds of situations in this world lying and unhurt, stealing, I wanted to share some warnings with you. And for those that might be listening elsewhere, in 2 Chronicles 36, chapter and verse 14 through 16, but I'm only going to refer to the verse 16, and you can make note of the rest. But they mocked the messengers of God. And this was in the prophetic times when they had prophets in Israel. They mocked the messengers of God and despised the words and misused the prophets until the wrath of God rose against his people till there was no remedy. Hebrews the third chapter in verse 12 through 13 tells us to take heed lest there be any among you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Warnings to be careful. Exhortation. In verse 13 it says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the de deceitfulness of sin. That should be warning enough to, we need to be diligently, diligently seeking for what is true. Amen. In Hebrews 12, beginning with verse 14, and through 17, and I'm only going to highlight a few of those. But it says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now what part is it so hard to understand? If they do these things, they're not going to see the Lord. They're not going to be into the kingdom. We haven't even looked at the text that says that, but it's implied here. And it says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up to trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. 
lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. And there's many ways that we can sell it. In verse 17 it says, For we know how that afterwards when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. There comes a time that we're going to later on see the text that indicates that the time will pass when we can come before the Lord and ask forgiveness, repent of our sins and be drawn back to Him. Rather than I'm in a few closing statements and scriptures I want to leave with you. It says we should never get the attitude that we cannot fall. Scripture after scripture warns us to watch and to be diligent. Notice that Hebrews 2 and verse 1, it says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which ye have heard. And you've heard them in tidbits perhaps in years and years past. But hold to them for the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And we see a lot of slippage in today's world. Again, in 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, it says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Listen up. If you have never accepted the master's invitation, or if you've slipped in any way, I would plead that you would seek him out and ask forgiveness before it's everlastingly too late. Before we've, you've degenerated until the point that God gives you up and there's no point of being able to return. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then in Revelations 22, 17. And the Spirit and the bride saith, Come, and let him then hear say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. If any has slipped somewhere along the way, 
it's time to return. If any hearing the message has never committed themselves unto Jesus Christ, now is the time before it's everlastingly too late. In Isaiah, the 57th chapter, 19 through 21, I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him that is afar off. And to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose water cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. If you want peace, be righteous, seek him. Again, in Isaiah 55 and verse 6 and 7, it warns us to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. To me, that indicates that there's going to be a time somewhere that even though you might want to seek him, you can't find him. And let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will give, have mercy upon him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. But the time comes. It's impossible to return. Notice again. Esau in Hebrews 12 and 16, there it tells us that read, I it tells us that Esau was rejected because he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully. That's a danger point. And in Revelations 22.10 is perhaps one of the most sorrowful verses to many and yet a blessing to the faithful. And it says in verse 10, And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. They were to be opened, to be read and studied and understood. For the times is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. So my hope and prayer would be to those whoever the hearer may be, to heed the following warnings. Don't wait until it's impossible to come before the Lord and seek and be accepted for your forgiveness because the time will close.
Don't forget to, to return to today. Redemption is needful to rededicate and walk and to serve the Lord with our entire body, mind, and soul. Because I personally believe that Scripture fully indicates there's a time that the wicked, even though he might want to, can never return to the Lord because the Lord has totally given them up to the wiles of Satan and everlasting destruction. May the Lord bless.